Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, April 9th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth on her own family's brush with hate. Plus, how accurate is the movie Contagion? But first, today's one big thing, the second week of the trial over George Floyd's death. Testimony wraps up today to conclude the second week in former police officer Derek Chauvin's trial over his role in George Floyd's death. Axios' Twin Cities reporter Nick Halter has been watching from Minneapolis and is here now to catch us up on this week. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nyla. Nick, if last week was about emotion, this week was about process. And it started with testimony from the Minneapolis police chief who said Derek Chauvin did not act according to NPD policy. There were several other police officers who also testified against Chauvin. How significant was that, Nick? Well, it's certainly a rare thing for police officers to break what they call the blue wall of silence, starting with the police chief, but it included, as you said, multiple officers. I think that the difficulty is that it lasted for a long time. It was two days worth of testimony from police officers, primarily talking a lot about the use of force. And there were pool reports out of the courtroom that one of the jurors had fallen asleep at one point, that there was just a general disinterest. So it certainly is compelling that officers are testifying against Chauvin, but the testimony itself maybe isn't as compelling as as we might have thought. The testimony then shifted to medical experts to establish the cause of George Floyd's death. And one doctor, Martin Tobin, was particularly memorable. After there's no pulse, the knee remains on the neck for another two minutes and 44 seconds. After the officers have found themselves, there's no pulse. What else did we learn from Tobin and the other medical professionals? He did confirm that there was methamphetamine and fentanyl in George Floyd's system that day, but he confirmed that the cause of death was the knee on George Floyd's neck and back. This is important, I think, because this is going to be the defense's strategy. And he was a very credible witness who said very explicitly that that it was the knee on his neck that caused him to stop breathing and his heart to stop. What comes next? Well, it it seems as though the state's case is is getting near its end. It makes sense that the last part of their case would be about the medical experts because that will be the defense's strategy. This trial was supposed to last two to four weeks, and we're two weeks into it. So I would imagine at some point uh, within the next couple days here, we're going to see the defense make its case. Axios' Twin Cities reporter Nick Halter, who's been following all of this from Minneapolis. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nyla. Good to be with you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. Welcome back to Axios Today. Thanks to all the listeners who write in on a regular basis, including suggesting that we have podcasts on the weekend or that we go deeper. That's why tomorrow we're trying something new here on Axios Today, a weekend interview episode where we can go in depth with someone in the news. This week, it's Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth of Chicago. We covered a lot of ground, including how Asian-American hate has affected her own family. Here's a little sneak listen. I worry about my mom because my mom is very independent. She's going to be 80 here in, in a month. She still drives. She goes shopping. She, you know, don't get in between her and her <laughs> Asian grocery shopping. She's got to go to like four different stores to buy all her ingredients. But she gets comments in 2020. You know, she'd be at the grocery store and people were not very nice to her. Comments of, you know, go back to where you came from as she's trying to pick out apples for her grandchildren. She just told me the other day where 
she uh, was really being mistreated and verbally by an associate at the store. And, and she finally said, listen, I'm not here to fight with you. I'm just here to buy food for my family. How do you reconcile that with your love of America? And you have given so much for it. Well, I reconcile that with the, the fact that we're not that perfect union, that we're trying to be a more perfect union and we are trying to fix it. And, and that's my role is to try to fix it. To my mom's benefit, she spoke up for herself and she pushed back and talked to the manager and said, this is not right. And, and they acknowledged that it wasn't right. And she got resolution. So I'm sorry that she had to go through that and, and still does. But bottom line, you know, this is still better than many of the places that we've seen uh, that I saw growing up, that she certainly saw as as a young woman overseas. I've never claimed that America was perfect. I've always claimed that America was a land that gave you opportunity and that in exchange for that opportunity, we should all serve in some way and make that more perfect union. Try to achieve it. U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. The entire interview where we talk about her childhood, growing up in Southeast Asia and Hawaii, her military service and injuries and more, We'll air tomorrow on a special episode of Axios Today. Please listen and tell us what you think. You can email us at podcasts at axios.com. Last year, around this time, just as the pandemic was really settling in, I rewatched the 2011 film Contagion. I wasn't the only one. The 10-year-old movie got quite a bump during the last year. In case you don't know about it, just listen to how prophetic it was about our current reality. Don't talk to anyone. Don't touch anyone. Stay away from other people. As we get closer to the end of our real pandemic, I wonder just how accurate contagion is. So I asked Axios's future reporter, Brian Walsh, to watch the movie with me. We rewatched it together virtually. Brian, what do you think was the most realistic parts of this? I mean, I would say like the the contact tracing sort of early on was very realistic. Kate Winslet plays a CDC epidemiological investigator, and that's a real thing. They're sent out to the sites of outbreaks to kind of figure out what's going on. All that was real. In the movie, essentially, you get the vaccine and you're like, okay, you're good. That's movies versus life, I think, where we have to deal with the sort of uncertainties, those edge cases that's keeping us from knowing exactly, okay, when can we let the gas off, so to speak, once we have the vaccine? One thing I wonder how realistic you think it is, is the idea that once everyone's vaccinated, they get a wristband to prove that they've been vaccinated. It's actually surprising. I guess we're getting cards, right? That's a vaccine passport, which is a term people are probably hearing now. I'm not sure we'll ever get to that point with COVID, just because I think, you know, a lot of people potentially won't take the vaccine. We're not 100% sure what it means in terms of reinfection, both if you've been infected or whether you get the vaccines. This might change over the course of the months and, frankly, years to come when we think about the whole world, how long it'll take for everyone to get vaccinated and protected. What do you think about how we're living through this in real life now versus what we saw there? I think with COVID-19, what still is driven home is, is how differently people view this risk. When you had a virus like the one in the movie where it seemed like anyone could be at risk, everyone's scared. That's never quite really been the case for COVID. Maybe at the very early stages when it wasn't clear. But the fact that a lot of people don't feel that in danger really has changed the politics of how we've dealt with this. If we had experienced something like this, oof, I mean, I, I don't know if we would have bounced back as fast as we do in the movie, quite honestly. But at the same time, we would have had a much more unified response. And so in some ways... The fact that we're getting off comparatively easier compared to the movie 
you know, obviously means we have far fewer deaths, far less social disruption, but at the same time, it's going to be longer than we would have with this movie. We're obviously past a year and we are far from wrapped up. Exus is Ryan Walsh. Thanks for watching Contagion with me. Thank you so much for putting me through this experience. I really appreciate it. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Sabina Singani, Naomi Shaven, and Amy Padula. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah K. Helani-Gu is our executive editor. As always, special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Leetel Malad and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and I hope you have the best weekend.